and welcome to the Hoop Collective Podcast. We talk about the NBA. Welcome to Anscape's Mark J. Spears. Spears got in. Uh, it's Tuesday uh, morning. Spears, you just got in from uh, out of the country last night for a story that we're going to talk about here. But I see you're wearing your LSU colors. Uh, give me, give me your go Tigers. Get it. Go Tigers. Uh, go Tigers. Go Tigers. <laughs> I can't do impressions. I wish I could. But, you know, you had to love Brian Coach Kelly o. haters out there. My family. Y'all haters. <laughs> There's a reason why guts. he's won a lot of games. We, we ain't got to love him off the field. Just win games, baby. And that's what he's doing. <laughs> yeah. I just. He can uh, have loved... all the, the Creole occasion impressions he wants. I'm all for it. <laughs> I know it would have been amazing if uh, if he like, uh, you know, trolled everybody after that game was like it was a great win for the LSU family. <laughs> it would have been great. He did troll uh, the old Miss coach. You can bask in that one. That was a oh, bona yeah, fide yeah. big win yeah. there. Um, no, so uh, you I was at the butt kicking when we lost to Tennessee. So, oh, I wish I yeah. was there against Alabama, but I was in Mexico City. That's right. So the story posted on Anscape on Tuesday. So you went to the first G League game there. Yes. Um, the G, they've been planning the G League team since pre-pandemic that they were going to move there. Uh, and that's interesting and all that stuff, but that wasn't what you wrote about. What you wrote about was really one of the big reasons why the G League team is there, Spears. And it's something that's becoming a more and more interesting topic in the NBA right now, and that is expansion. So what were some of the things you learned? You talked to Mark Tatum, yeah. the deputy commissioner, about expansion in, in, uh, in Mexico City. Everybody just assumes, oh, when the NBA expands, it's going to be Seattle and Las Vegas. But... They don't have a G League team in Seattle or Las Vegas, <laughs> do they? They have a G League team no. in Mexico City. So what did you learn about the NBA's thoughts about uh, someday having a team in Mexico City? See, Brian, me, me and you are kind of like, um, I guess, kindred spirits. We never really talk about this, that we pay attention to the international basketball you know, world probably closer than most. And... I think it's small-minded for Americans to just assume that Seattle and Las Vegas are the best places for this for a, a expansion franchise. Mexico City is quietly like a really hotbed for this uh, for for an expansion team. You know, you got a town that has like 33 million people in it. Like, think about that. It's, it makes New York look small. Uh, their Central Park is twice the size of New York Central Park. Um, this is the fifth largest city in the world. They have an NBA arena, Ready Arena, which I went to, and it's as nice or nicer than most NBA arenas. And I think the only arena maybe that large is Chicago. Yeah, it's 22,000 22. seats. Um, yeah, I think uh, the United Center is like about the same. Yeah, it's yeah. a huge, it's a huge building. Uh, basketball's been a huge hotbed uh, in Mexico. The, this, the uh, outside of obviously U.S. and Canada, no country has hosted more NBA games than Mexico has. Uh, they have an NBA game coming in December that was sold out in three days. Spurs Heat, and there's money there. 
It's a lot of money. And it's also a gateway to Latin America, too. Um, the Capitanes was a team that was in the um, Mexicans' top league. And four years ago, um, Adam Silver went out there with Mark Tatum. They had a press conference that said Capitanes were going to go into the G League. And obviously, the pandemic uh, has slowed that down. But you're right. Like, the reason why they wanted to try... Uh, a G League team in Mexico City is just to see how it goes, um, the good and the bad, see see how it's supported by the locals. There were 7,000 people there for a G League game. <laughs> and uh, the enthusiasm was there. Eduardo Nahara was there. Um, he wants to bring a team. He's connected to Carlos Hilo Slim, who's only worth 78 what billion i think or something yeah, like that yeah yeah one um, of the richest he he jockeys back and forth with bezos for the richest man in the world yeah and so i mean the money's there the arena's there television wise the capitanist remember this is a g league team they're on espn mexico which has uh 33 million viewers they're also on a, a disney-owned network called star plus which is shown throughout Latin America. When I went and saw uh, the Capitanas play in the G League showcase last December, also, like Nahara told me, I'm not worried about the rest of Latin America. I'm worried about Mexico. But the rest of Latin America is tuning in too because this is considered like a Spanish-speaking team, right? Spanish-speaking franchise. They have players on their team from Brazil and the Dominican Republic. And so when I went out there to the G League showcase, this is the first thing that kind of one of the alarms I got is like on Zoom media were calling in after the game from Brazil, from Dominican Republic, from Puerto Rico. Like they have made a pretty diverse roster of, of people on their team so they could, you know, be attractive to um, all North America. And so this is... Uh, Mr. Tatum told me this is a trial balloon that Mexico City is in consideration. And uh, I know what's popular and what's expected, but I'm telling you, the more and more that I've researched Mexico City, I, I really think, you know, especially when you have a team in Canada, to have one in Mexico, I, I, I actually think it would be a bright, really bright decision in a lot of ways for the NBA. Yeah, so um, the thing about Mexico City uh, is there's a ton of money there. Um, you know, Americans think a certain way about Mexico, and Mexico has its problems. We have our problems. Um, but hey, there's repeat, a ton repeat of, that sentence you just said. We got a ton of problems in this country. Yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, Mexico City has a ton of money. If you've ever been to Mexico City, there are districts in Mexico City that are as beautiful and as opulent as you will find in London, in Paris, in New York, anywhere in the world. Um, And one of the reasons why the NBA is interested in that is to get access to that money. There 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 are wealthy companies, there are wealthy individuals, and frankly, from a media rights standpoint, if you move into Las Vegas, yes, you bring in the Las Vegas market, maybe some surrounding markets, uh, you move into Seattle, you bring in, you know, a, 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 you know, a medium to larger size U.S. market. You move into Mexico City, you bring in the fifth largest city in the world, plus potentially uh, a big portion of Mexico 
for which you can get a lot more, frankly, straight up money. And so one of the reasons why the NBA has maintained an interest in Mexico City, frankly, is money. Yes, there's the separate aspect of diversifying your um, your fan base. Yes, there's this the the you know expanding and making it more of an international game, which has long been the NBA's uh, you know uh, mission. But it's about the money, the, the the potential influx of money by bringing in Mexico City is more valuable than bringing in um, potentially an American city, which is why there's an NBA team in Toronto but there's not an NBA team in Buffalo because those two cities are quite different. And so um, the challenge is Spears, and you wrote about this in your piece is that there is a concern about there's three or four concerns. Number one concern is, is security because there are instances in Mexico where there have been, you know, crimes and kidnappings. And if you are an NBA player and you have a family, you're going to want to have your children educated at um, certain level of schools. You know, your, your children are, you know, you're going to want your children educate, educated, you know, in English. Uh, hopefully they learn Spanish too. Um, and you want to be secure. And that's part of what's going on with the, with the G league team. Now you said that the G league team gets a police escort to and from the games. That's not something that happens in NBA situations. Um, but you talked to some people about that Spears. Yeah, no, I, so the Capitanes and visiting G league teams are staying in a neighborhood called Polanco. Um, Polanco has often been described as the Beverly Hills of Mexico city. My wife I, has been there and she has described it as such. I think it's better. Mm -hmm. I, I, like I'm at the W and across the street was like a Lamborghini de dealership. <laughs> like that ain't your normal neighborhood. Right. Um, the, the restaurants were amazing. Any shopping that you could think of, like we walked down, uh, my wife came with me. We walked down the Rodeo Drive, so to speak, of that neighborhood, and they had everything you could think of that I can't afford, right? <laughs> um, and it's it's also considered one of the safest neighborhoods in Mexico City because it is so opulent, because it is so rich. There was a huge police presence everywhere, um, safe, walked around at night walked around during the day it's 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 a gorgeous beautiful neighborhood i know alfonso mckinney real well and he's from chicago former nba player trying to get back he's there jaleel okafor is there they got about six or seven about six uh former nba players there they love it they love it i, I went to this restaurant i'm gonna give them their props on on uh after the game on sunday mckinney uh, recommended that I go there and like half the team is there. They're having a ball. Uh, it's called Baluga, the biggest fish and, and, and lobsters. And, and, but the price was probably like going to uh, Applebee's or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. So they were having a ball out there. And so they, all of them told me they feel safe. And the NBA has put them in a hotel, a Mexican hotel that, you know, they have security there, but all the players, I mean, you, Okafor and McKinney are from Chicago. So they certainly know um, 
what a dangerous situation could look like. And they, they said they'd love it and that other NBA players would love it too. So I think there's, um, you don't know what you don't know. Right. But that was the first time I, I went to Mexico city in that neighborhood. I was like, man, I, I'm coming back. This is amazing. <laughs> like, and so I think once, like you think about like the, the language language barrier wasn't one there. Um, everybody spoke English. Um, I think because it's the biggest like opulent touristy area um, in Mexico City. So I, I don't think adapting will be hard because they, you know, uh, appeal to rich tourists who speak English. Yeah. So the question is, if you're an NBA player and more importantly, the NBA players union, would you feel okay potentially living like where you're living in an oasis in the middle of a city that again, you know, and it's not as far as one thinks either. Like I, I flew from San Francisco, it's four hours, which means from Arizona, from Texas, from LA, it's shorter. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a little bit down there, but, you know, the NBA has no problem. I mean, if you're going to put a team in Seattle, yeah. that's not close. That that no. team would instantly be the have to travel the most miles. Yeah. Um, so. And, and I'll say this too, Brian. Like, I think one thing that the Vegas thing, and, and please correct me if you think I'm wrong on this. It's different than the NFL for, for, for baseball and for basketball. It's important that you have a, a, a solid TV market right they can't a team in vegas can't penetrate california because of the four nba teams in california they can't penetrate certainly can't penetrate southern california no and they can't penetrate northern california either um they can't penetrate arizona or probably new mexico because of the suns can't penetrate oregon because of trailblazers probably can't get into wyoming and uh because and obviously Colorado. I mean, there's not much in nuggets. Wyoming with all due respect yeah, yeah. to those. Of but us no, out but here. I'm just saying all the neighboring states are pretty much locked into you know other NBA teams who won't want them to be in their territory. And I believe the Bay Area has more people than Nevada has as a state. So I well, right. I mean, if team, you were, you know, if the Warriors wouldn't fend it off, it would it yeah. would be smart to put a second team in the Bay Area, like he. You know, it would be smart to put a second team in Chicago, but yeah, the yeah. Bulls, the Bulls ain't down for that. Yeah. So uh, you remember the Kings tried to move to Anaheim. I mean, yeah. it was kind of like all set up and it was like uh, the Lakers and Clippers were like, um, excuse no. me. No, you may not. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, so uh, I, I, yeah. I just think from, you know, the Lakers, obviously with their network, make a lot of money. Um, I asked Bomber about it. He said, no, nah, it was more because of LA, but that TV contract in LA certainly has to be greater than what they would have gotten in Seattle. Right. Yeah. So what will be a television contract for a team in Las Vegas? Then you look at what you could make TV wise, you know, selling advertisement when you got 33 million people watching ESPN Mexico, you know what I mean? Well, you have a, um, like Canada has a separate national television deal. Um, yeah. TSN has the deal in Canada and it's a separate um, national television situation. There's a, you know, you have access to a bigger country. Yeah. Just monetarily, it's a no brainer. Um, 
the other, you know, so the other thing about Mexico City is that, you know, Denver, you know, they put it right on the court. 5,280 yeah. feet. This is they the biggest it, problem. <laughs> they put it at the foul line, right? Just in case yeah. you forget. Um, Mexico City is uh, it's over 7,000 feet. Wouldn't you say that, Spears? Yeah. Was it 7,000, like 200 or something like that? So you 7, think 000. about Denver. That's the biggest you know, concern. I'm not a math expert, but if it's 2,000 feet higher than Denver, you know, you're looking at, you know, 40% higher than Denver. Yeah. Um, and so, I mean, it's not like it's, I think you wrote in your story that Willie Cauley-Stein played for the, the G League team that was coming in to play the Capitans. Yeah, Rio Grande. And he didn't come because he was, I don't know if he has asthma or something, but he didn't come, yeah. right? Yeah, he had a health condition that worried him about playing in that kind of altitude. So to me, if there is a concern about Mexico City, it is the altitude. Yeah. But Did you feel I it when you were there? I mean, you lived, in, you lived in Denver for a long time. Did you feel it? I didn't because I think I did at night because I was just kind of like a little tougher to breathe, a little restless, I guess. But um, I wish I would have worked out to see if I really would have felt it. I guess I was so busy. I did walk for an hour. Didn't have any problems, but the main thing is like I ain't playing. The players that did play, right? I didn't see anybody. I mean, these are the world's greatest conditioned athletes, right? right. Like they they seem fine, and um, you know, uh, the next day they played Memphis um, on Monday night, and Memphis beat um, the Capitanes. So I mean, obviously it didn't bother them too much. So I mean, it's easy for us to say, right? But I. I always got that picture of like Akeem Olajuwon, like, you know, sucking on oxygen takes and stuff like that. I didn't see any players doing that, but yeah, it's, it's a high, when you think about like a high, a much higher level than Denver, like I, I, I do remember one time working out in Vail, Colorado, when I covered the Denver Nuggets and, and like, just feeling like somebody was stomping on my lungs. So yeah, if, if there is a concern to me, that's the biggest one. Yeah, I know that I one time rented a house in Estes Park, Colorado, and I remember when we yeah. walked in, it said um, the elevation where the house was. It was an Airbnb, oh, really? and it was like 8,000-something feet. And you felt it. You know, you definitely yeah. felt it. So, But I think, you know, um, you know, I don't think that would pre- prevent the NBA from doing it, but I do think it should be mentioned. Uh, I remember – in the 1968 Olympics, which were in Mexico City, those athletes, there was all kinds of challenges and issues with that. But yeah, there were other challenges so, and issues. <laughs> right. No in that Olympics. I, I seem to remember. I seem to remember uh, an iconic moment uh, that yeah. happened during the track and field. It's time to knock that new business idea out of the park with Shopify, the all-in-one commerce platform to start, run, and grow your business. Forget the off-season work. Shopify makes it simple to sell to anyone from anywhere. Whether you're selling warm-ups or wall hangers, it's time to start selling with Shopify and join the platform simplifying commerce for millions of businesses worldwide. With Shopify, you'll customize your online store to your brand. 
discover new customers, and build the relationships that create those diehard fans. Shopify fields all the sales channels to grow a winning business. From an in-person POS system to an all-in-one e-commerce platform, even across social media platforms like TikTok, Facebook, and Instagram. And thanks to 24-7 support and free on-demand business courses, Shopify is on your team every step of the way. It's how every minute new sellers around the world score their first sale with Shopify, and you can too. Shopify is the secret to becoming a business champion by making it simple for anyone to sell their products anywhere, taking the guesswork out of selling. When you're ready to take your winning idea to the world, team up with Shopify, the commerce platform powering millions of businesses down the street and around the globe. Try out Shopify for free today and start selling anywhere. Football season is here, and nothing beats seeing your favorite team live. Not only does Vivid Seats have great NFL ticket prices, they're also the official ticketing partner of ESPN. And with Vivid Seats rewards, when you buy 10 tickets, you get the 11th free. So download the app or visit vividseats.com today. Vivid Seats, life happens live. Receive a reward credit equal to the average price of 10 tickets purchased, excluding taxes, fees, and processing costs. See vividseats.com slash rewards for terms and conditions. So anyway, the thing about expansion is this. Now, Adam Silver, uh, maybe about two and a half years ago, was giving an interview, and he kind of showed his hand a little bit that the league was considering expansion a little bit more. And that set off like a flurry of activity. Um, certainly in Seattle and ever since that Adam silver and the league have tried, been trying to walk that back. Um, and they, you know, now when you talk to folks, they say, okay, there's a, a three stage thing that has to happen. One there has to be a collective bargaining agreement. That's more important than anything else. We'll know by December, whether they have an agreement, um, and they'll, you know, um, it, there will be no issue going into next year. That's number one. Number two, then there's got to be a TV deal, a TV deal that gets set. And, you know, when those, if, and when those negotiations happen and they maybe allow yeah. for expansion, um, that's that. So those two things have to happen. Then you have to do expansion. Here's the thing about expansion. When, when you start talking about expansion with fans, they immediately go to, oh, Seattle, Las Vegas. We're going to call them the Las Vegas, uh, you know, whatever is in the Sonics and whatever. but. The thing about expansion is you have to think about it if you were an owner in the league. So there's 30 NBA teams, um, you know, so each NBA uh, team is owns, each owner owns about 3% of the league. And so, yeah, you own your team and your team has a different value. The team in Los Angeles is a different value than the team in Oklahoma City. But in terms of the revenue that comes in, which is the lion's share of how you pay for everything, you get yeah. 3% of it. So if you add two more teams, you're diluting your percentage down to, you know, to two and change. And you may say, well, what's the difference? What well, does make a big difference? You know, they're, they're looking yeah. at the next media deal being $75 billion. Do the math and tell me what the difference between two and 2.3% and, and uh, 3% is on that over the course of the next 20 years. And so, you know, the issue becomes that if you're going to dilute your, um, your share down and perpetuity, uh, how much money are you going to have to get from the guys who buy into the league? 
Yeah. You know, you're basically buying in 2% of the NBA. What's that worth? Yeah. And where does that value equal your dilution? And I know this is all businesses, but this is the way these guys look at it. It's yeah. not as simple as, boy, it'd be fun to have a team in Seattle. It's just, it's real, it's real money. But, but and Brian, so what I, about the billions that, that, how do they split up the expansion fee? This is important to point out. This is why the CBA is important. Yeah. When an NBA team sells a ticket, they have to share 50% of that revenue with the players. When they get money from ESPN and TNT, they have to share 50% of that with the players. That's what the salary cap comes from. They take all the money that the NBA gets in basketball-related revenue, split it in half, divide by 30. It's a little more complicated than that, but I'm just generalizing. That's what the salary cap is. And the NBA players are guaranteed that 50%. In fact, if there's, you know, some years they total up the money at the end of the year and they go, oh, look at this. The NBA players only got 47%. Okay, everybody, you're all getting a million dollars or you're all getting 500,000. That's happened. That's happened in, you know, pre-pandemic that was happening. Um, and there's also years where, oh boy, the money wasn't in as good. We thought it would be more. The players, you got to give some money back to the owners, which is why, the players actually get 10% of their paychecks held in an escrow account so that to balance that money that it gets transferred to the owners. So when you have expansion that is not in basketball related income. So if you were able to get $3 billion for an expansion team, and let me just say to you, if the expansion is in three or four years, it'll be more than 3 billion, but, yeah. but the math is easy on 3 billion. Yeah. Um, that's 300 million for each team. Okay. <laughs> if you do it twice, that's yeah. 600 million. Yeah. They don't have to share it with the players. So again, I'm being, I'm generalizing, you know, there's other factors at play here, but if you were the owner of the Oklahoma city thunder and you voted to allow in two NBA teams and you sold both for 3 billion, you get a check for 600 million because you've allowed somebody into your club. That sounds amazing. Oh my God, 600 million. Like who wouldn't want 600 million? Well, let me just say that over the course of the next, you know, five to 10 years, maybe that 600 million wouldn't look so good because the money that you now have to give those two teams. So that's a factor. The, the money has to be high enough that, yeah. the, that they'd be willing to, to, to sell, to basically to sell equity. That's number one. Number two, there are teams in the NBA that are losing money right now. And those teams get revenue sharing from their partners. So like I remember five years ago, I actually got the books of the NBA. They were leaked to me and I could look at it. And like the Memphis Grizzlies and Charlotte Hornets. And I remember that year, the Denver Nuggets were getting tens of millions of dollars from their partners. Now, the, the, the Grizzlies weren't good at that time. You know, they're doing better now. They've got a better TV deal. But I remember looking, and again, I want to say this again. This was five years ago. There's another TV deal. But, the, but in one week, the Lakers made more TV money than the Grizzlies did the whole season. One week. Repeat, say that sentence again. When I got the book. People need to know TV this stuff, man. About five years the TV ago, deal. the Lakers made more money from their local TV, Spectrum, sports in LA in one week than the late, than the, than the Grizzlies made for the entire season. 
Okay. So if you're an owner and you're saying, well, I don't want to delete, dilute my equity down. What we should just do is take teams that are losing money and relocate them to cities where they would make money. Then I wouldn't have to write a check, you know, like I don't want to see. Let me ask you this. Yeah. Is there any markets in the States that you think are like guaranteed to be amazing? Well, see, that's the, that's the thing, you know, like, like where do you, I don't want to sing. Yeah. I don't want to single out any teams because I get there. No, First off, not, I haven't seen, no, no, no. I'm not telling you to single out teams, but it's, I guess it's, is Seattle that great of a market. It's Kansas city is Las Vegas is St. Louis is Tampa. Like are these, well, I, again, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to single out teams, Louisville. but like, is Seattle a better market than Team Memphis. X that I won't say? Yeah. I won't say what market. Yeah, Seattle would be a, would be a better market yeah. than some markets. And don't bring Louisiana to it because I'll get mad. Here's I'm not mentioning any cities. Yeah. Um, yeah, Seattle would be a better market. Um, Mexico City would be a better market. And in that way, you wouldn't have to dilute your 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 ownership stake in the whole yeah. league, your equity, and you would say, well, here's a market where we're sending, yeah. you know, $30 million a year. Cause I remember like like in 2017, 18, I remember seeing the books or 16, 17, whenever I saw them, like the, the Hornets were getting over $30 million a year. So like, yeah. you know, the Lakers were basically sticking a line in their cash vein, the Warriors sticking a line in their cash vein and sending it to teams like, like Charlotte. I remember being stunned at how much money Charlotte was getting back then because yeah. Charlotte is a very vibrant market. Um, so, uh, that's, that's one issue. The other issue is, is that in recent years, NBA owners have been able to borrow money really, really cheap. They've been getting money for like next to nothing percent. So why, you know, you know, think about it this way. Think, think if you've got your house and you either had to sell part of your land to pay for your expenses, or you could just get a home equity loan <clears throat> or you could just get a home equity loan for really good percent. You didn't have to sell a piece of your land. Which would you rather have? Yeah. Well, you'd rather do your home equity loan because yeah. that way you're not reducing the size of your land. That's yeah. where owners have been. They're like, I don't need the 600 million. If I get yeah. into cash uh, problems, NBA has got great credit. We got a bunch of money coming in. I'll go borrow money over there. So I know yeah. this is all, this is stuff that I've gotten from talking to NBA owners about expansion. Um, having said all of that, uh, Tim Lewicki, who worked for decades in and around the NBA, um, he now uh, runs a company that um, builds and operates arenas. His company, um, Oakview, o Oakview Group, I think it's called, um, they renovated the arena in Seattle. Uh, they recently built the arena in Austin that just opened and they announced that they're building a brand new arena in Las Vegas that is going to be ready in like three years on the Southern end of the strip, South of the airport. And I'll be risking parodying myself. Why would they do that? <laughs> yeah. Why would they do that Spears? You know, there's a, there's a, there's already other arenas in Vegas. There's the arena 
when that, the Lakers um, just played a preseason game in. Of course, there's the you know there's the arena, the MGM, which is not an NBA level arena. There's the arena um, right by Mandalay Bay, uh, T-Mobile uh, yeah. Arena, which is where the hockey team, NHL team plays. That's where the NBA team plays games. Uh, team USA has played games. If there's there. one city that doesn't um, need another venue, it's it's Las Vegas. So why are they building an arena? <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, what does Tim Lewicki know? Why does why is he building an arena there? Why is LeBron saying, I'd yeah. love to own the expansion team in Las Vegas? Um, so part of the reason why the NBA could really seriously, like Mark Tatum had no problem on the record speaking to you about possibility of expansion in Mexico city, right? He wasn't afraid to speak to you on the record again. Why would he do that? Because it's also healthy for the NBA to have Vegas and Seattle know that there's competition that when it comes down to making the deal and what you may offer a team, um, what you may offer the league in terms of incentives and stuff like that, that you know that the NBA has an, uh, other markets they can go to. Yeah. Um, because Mexico City is a legitimate option, and the NBA is investing a lot there in the G League team. You know, you, you hear about places like Virginia Beach or Louisville, Kentucky, um, you know, throwing their hat in the ring, Nashville, you know, and you City. hear some. Kansas City has an NBA arena, but they've had one for 10 years. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, St. Louis, I don't know if the arena would do it there. Obviously, yeah. the NHL team plays there. But anyway, um, there's a reason why th- none of those are serious on the board. Mexico City is a serious threat. So yeah. um, it's an interesting story. You should check it out. And um, and if you want to talk about what kind of, you know, like people always when I talk about expansion. People are like, well, what would the nickname be? I mean, if you want to have fun with potential nicknames, that's fine. But yeah. I don't know what Mexico City has one already. They actually have one of their chant is Capitanes. That was kind of dope. Like they would say <laughs> yeah, that the like whole that? day. I liked it. I liked it. Well, you saw, uh, like, you know, the, the other thing I'll say before we move on the other option is that an NBA team could just play some games down there. Um, and, you know, the Spurs, I will point out, are playing at the game. There, there's, there's, they've been playing regular season games in Mexico city on and off for decades. Yeah. But the NBA has been playing down there regularly over the last five years, non pandemic. They're playing a game there in December. It's the Spurs and heat. Um, the Spurs have played there several times. San Antonio was the closest city to Mexico city. San Antonio has made, you know, there's been some reporting that they may someday play some regular season games in Austin. Yeah. At the new arena they just built there, which 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 rattled this the Spurs uh fan base. Um you know, that's the other option. Are the they the smallest is, market? Um, I don't know. It depends on who you ask. I mean, I think Oklahoma City can be up there. Uh yeah. Memphis, it depends on how you draw the lines, you know, because if you talk about population, that the greater San Antonio area has a lot of population, but it's a huge area, you know? So, um, but, uh, you know, the concept of a team splitting some time, you know, playing, you know, over the course of, you know, we used to see, um, teams used to, used to sometimes split games in other cities. It hasn't happened in a long time. Yeah. Um, remember the Celtics used to play games in Hartford. Yeah. When we were kids, um, the bullets used to play games in Baltimore Um, way back. What's that? New Orleans and Atlanta. Yeah. Um, 
Well, I mean, we remember uh, New Orleans and uh, Oklahoma City. That was because of uh, Hurricane Andrew. Where, but, where um, was that game played, Brian? See if you let's, let's let's test our NBA memories, our history. That game when I feel like Larry Bird got off against the New Orleans Jazz in Atlanta. Remember that game where he was just making all kind of crazy shots. Now you're a little before my time. I mean, I don't remember that, but yeah. But the Hawks have been in Atlanta a long time, so I don't know when that would be. Well, he probably crushed them in game two there, too. So, <laughs> Yeah, uh, but it would be interesting to see, like, you know, I mean, the Cowboys have developed their Mexican fan base. The Cowboys have played yeah. games in uh, Azteca Stadium, Mexico City, which holds like 100-some-odd thousand people. Yeah. Um, but Another um, question for you. Yeah. In the NBA, uh, how – if the NBA goes to two teams, how do you think they have enough players where it doesn't dramatically dilute the league? And two, can they anyway expand four teams? Right now, I have no concern about the talent level in the NBA. You know, five to seven years ago, maybe even a little bit longer back, I would have said, I don't know. I absolutely believe that the NBA has uh, talent enough talent to support two more teams. There's no question on mind about that. What about four? You know, four is a lot. I would argue that you could potentially add four because you'd be adding two NBA teams plus two G league teams. Yeah. And the NBA is really trying to expand the G league. Um, so uh, no, I don't see four. Um, I do see two. I, I think two will happen in the next five to seven years, but I don't think it's a slam dunk guarantee. Yeah. Like, I do not think it should be referred to as a when. I mean, Adam Silver yeah. has said someday they will expand. But he's been saying does, that for five or six years. Does it behoove them to do it after the next CBA? It behooves them to do it when they need money. And I'm not sure they're going to need money after this next media rights deal. Yeah. Um, but if they can take to the owners and say, look, if we go to these two markets, it can add this much money because i mean seriously spears what if the suns sell for four billion dollars yeah and let's say that they're you know because I, I actually there's some rumblings out there there's starting to be some rumblings of some nba owners maybe looking to sell that the market is getting ripe for nba owners to sell one of the reasons is because the broncos just sold for 4.3 billion yeah. And the commanders may sell pretty soon here. And that's going to smash every record. I mean, the commanders, people are talking about, you know, 6 billion, potentially from five to six, maybe more billion. We just saw um, <clears throat> Liverpool um, FC um, uh, is now for sale. It sounds like reportedly, and they're valued at 4 billion. And I'm, I was reading report, uh, yesterday that they think that the owners, the same folks that own the Red Sox, uh, that the owners may be able to get $5 billion for that. So the values of teams yeah. are coming up. Um, we're going to see... Hey, if you, and if you want to get in bad enough, this is what it's going to cost you. And it seems right. like they got people so, willing to right. pay so that. So I think there's the some, there might be some folks who've been sitting on the sidelines sort of wondering, should I sell? And they're going to see these numbers. I, I think we may be I mean, we'll see. There's fears of a recession, but we may be at the tip of um, of us. I mean, like some of the folks that like bid on the 
Broncos, there was like multiple people bidding $4 billion and not all of them got it. And so like, they still want the team. They still want, you know, and now Bezos bus, bus family decide to sell. I think it's possible the bus family could sell part of the Lakers at some point. You know, they own two thirds of the Lakers. Um, they could sell part. I could see them selling part of the Lakers someday. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, if the Lakers, like, let's say the Suns sell for four billion, the average four billion, or even let's just say that's too aggressive. Let's say they sell for three and a half. What do you think the Lakers would be worth in that environment? I mean, five to six. And to be honest with you. Like if I were, if I were Jeannie bus, I wouldn't even accept a phone call to pitch me even to buy a percentage of the team for, for less than, you know, six billion. So my point about that is if you get through two more years and there's a, you know, the commanders sell and everything you may, the environment for expansion may be like four, four and a half. I don't know. You know, what's interesting too is like when you think of the bus family, right? And I, I wonder, I always remember how much the Maloofs love their celebrity, right? When they owned the Kings and I think it helped their businesses in Vegas and the Palms used to be hot and all that. And then they sold too early <laughs> and got out. Well, they were out of money, weren't they? Yeah. Um, and they've kind of like disappeared. But. They, they they got the money and and so I wonder like if I'm the bus family do I enjoy my celebrity more than the potential windfall? Like well I've talked not- about this in the past. But you have to understand the bus the bus family owns two thirds of Lakers sixty six sixty seven percent and there's six bus children, so you know, and that's their core family business. You know they don't have a Microsoft stock that pays them hundreds of millions they don't have you know a tech company that you know so like when the lakers make a hundred let's say the lakers make a hundred million dollars that means the bus each bus family member that means the bus gets 67 million of that and now you split it six different ways now all of them have 10 million and change per year that sounds like a lot um but when you think about well maybe we could you know sell 10 percent of the team and get $600 million for it or something. Um, Then all of a sudden all of them get, you know, a hundred million, like it, like I could see, you know, you know, Mark Walter and Todd Behe of Guggenheim. They recently bought 25, I think 27% of the Lakers. Um, They bought out uh, Phil Anschutz who owned crypto.com arena and owns the Kings. He owned 27%. He sold out um, a, a year ago or so. We never heard what the percentage was. I don't think it ever became public um, what what they paid for that. Yeah. But my guess is it was, you know, huge. Um, so like the so it's already been established that the Lakers, um, you know, there's already been a percentage of the Lakers sold within the last year. It wasn't by the buses. Um, so. Um, and um, so anyway, that's that's just that's just, you know, something to keep an eye on. But if you're if you're an NBA owner and you see these teams potentially selling for three to four, um, 
you have to wonder what your expansion fee is going to be um, and whether or not the money gets so high with that expansion fee that even losing some of your liquidity, some of your equity might be worth it. Cause there's a, there's a, you know, there's an amount of money that I would sell a portion of my yard for, right. I don't want to sell it. I don't yeah. want somebody setting up shop over there, but there's some number that I would. <laughs> yeah. So um, uh, if, 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 if the, let's, let's play hypothetical world. If the NBA were to go to four teams, right. And we, we just assume that Mexico city, Vegas and Seattle are one, two, three, right. Who's the best number four? Who's the sort of the, you know. Or is there a dark horse that could rattle even those three? Well, the thing is that sort of the two fastest growing sort of mid-sized cities in the country right now are, you know, San Jose would probably be the answer, yeah. to be honest with you. But, I mean, I don't, I don't the I think love the Warriors, for the Warriors is that. so strong. I'm I think from the Warriors San Jose are, too. So yeah. like the answer is San Jose to be yeah. honest with you or you know Chicago too. But taking those off of the board, I think the two cities that are the really sort of the fastest growing would be Austin and Nashville. Oh, yeah. Um but the problem is with Austin you have the Spurs and with Nashville you have the Grizzlies. Yeah. Um should the Grizzlies Nash- play some games in Nashville? They I haven't. They haven't, but you know, Nashville is now building a new dome stadium and a uh, dome football stadium. And I think you're hoping to attract final fours and yeah. uh, Super Bowls. I was so, at Nashville like, recently, man. I was impressed. Yeah, Nashville is on the rise for sure. And it's like the um, uh, the uh, Bachelorette party capital of the states or something like that. Did you know that? I'm sure that that's true. I have heard that. Yes, but not Bachelor. That's still, yeah, Vegas, uh, no Branson, Missouri. No, just kidding. <laughs> Vivid Seats wants you to get to the games you love this spring. Experience every pitch, assist, and game-winning shot live and in person. And the best part: each transaction is a step toward a free 11th ticket with Vivid Seat Rewards. Score unbeatable perks like free tickets, surprise seat upgrades, and annual birthday deals. As official ticketing partner of ESPN, Vivid Seats is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with code HOOP. That's code HOOP, H-O-O-P. Visit vividseats.com or download the app today. Vivid Seats, experience it live. Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavily on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom, Onyeho Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liquor, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Before we go, I wanted to ask you, we were talking before about the, we obviously talk about the Nets a lot around these parts, but the Nets have a sort of emerging decision on their head coaching situation. It has now been a week since Steve Nash was let go, left, or whatever you want to call it. They still have not, as of the record of this podcast, we're doing it at the end so Jackson can cut this off when it. I'm not re-recording today, Jackson. Um, 
as of right now, they haven't hired Ime Udoka, even though that looked like it was on the T. Yeah. Um, there's been some reporting as to one of the reasons of the slowdown. I'm not going to dip my toes into that world no, of aggregation, but I'm going to say that, you know, there are various reasons why they've, they, you know, they've slowed down. Hmm. Um, I, much respect to Doka as a coach. I still don't hundred percent know what happened to why he got suspended, but I, I, you know, the Celtics didn't do it for nothing. Um, Spears, should the Nets keep going down this path or should they give Jock Vaughn a chance with this team at this point? I've been a huge Jock Vaughn fan for a while. I think he's paid his dues. Um, he probably, you know, you can make an argument that he probably should have been hired uh, as a replacement when Nash got the job. Um, you know, deserves another chance. He coached in Orlando. Obviously, he didn't go that great, but who was he coaching, right? Like nothing and, and, it hasn't gone great for anybody in Orlando. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> for, yeah. for 10, 15 Since years. Shaq was there. <laughs> but yeah, uh, I mean Stan Van Gundy did okay, but that yeah. was it. Um and so I remember Jock was up for the Pelicans job, took his name out uh for family reasons and, and decided to stay with the Nets. And um so he gets this opportunity. I don't know why it just doesn't behoove the Nets just let at this point at least maybe wait to the all-star break. And if, if Jock isn't the guy, then you do a real search, right? Um, with all due respect to you, Doka, this team has enough issues right now. <laughs> like, do you want to put more uh, logs on the fire uh, of this uh, inferno, right? And um, from the way the, the Nets have looked without Kyrie, with, with Jock Vaughn coaching the team, they've looked good. They've been competitive. Um, they've either won or been in games. So, I I mean, this is the – with with Kyrie suspended, the way they're playing, this is like the most stable things have looked since the season started. You're not kidding. I'm sure that this road trip – well, I'm not around the team, so I don't know. But we, yeah. when, without the daily stuff with Kyrie, you know, Kyrie's not there. Um. You know, they went two and one and they probably should have won in Dallas on Monday night. And they just, yeah. you know, Durant had made 62 consecutive free throws. He had a chance to tie the game at the line and, and missed a free throw with five seconds left. Yeah. Um, but I'm sure, you know, they got a couple of wins and played pretty well. Um, but they look like a really good team, right? They look like, a. I don't know about a really good team, but they look like yeah. a team. Yeah. <laughs> You know, look like a team. Their defense hasn't been as atrocious. It's improved. They've been playing um, um, Yuta, their uh, Yuta Watanabe, um, the guy they signed late, um, who came over from the Grizzlies, and he's injected a whole bunch of life from them coming off the bench as a defender. He did sprain his ankle on Monday night, but um, you know they they sort of changed up who they're playing, and you know I don't look at them in, as currently constructed as a championship contender. Although Ben Simmons. Hopefully he's going to be back soon and hopefully he's feeling better. But, um, you know, I just, I just wonder at this point, like this is sort of the, un, this is something that's not being discussed. Like it was like, okay, it's going to be email and then nothing's happened and nothing's happened and nothing's happened. And it's just sort of hanging out there. And I just, yeah, I'm just man, it's, uh, give it some time. I, I, I hope Jock gets an opportunity, man. I always root for the interim coach to get a, get an opportunity, a real opportunity. 
yeah, historically, the overwhelming majority of interim coaches, it doesn't work. Yeah. Um, there's been a couple who've stuck, but it doesn't work. But, um, you know, one of the things I think is also that I, that I wonder about, you know, Ime Udoka was awesome last year with the Celtics, and he definitely held the players accountable. But he also had Will Hardy. Well, Hardy was really good, right? Yeah, as we can see now with the Jazz. Yeah, right. right? Um, Ime wouldn't have Will Hardy, so you know, and he doesn't um, have a training camp. And like, how do you establish right. everything? I know. I know. There's and some familiarity your, with there because he was there, like in the beginning of the season. I yeah, know. he coached there already. It's just that's why I think if they do make a change with him or somebody else, at least after the All Star break, you got a couple days where you could. I don't know, have like a mini training camp, I guess, or something. I don't know. I just, you know, I understand where Joe Sy is. He's got $290 million invested in this team with taxes. Yeah. Not only that, but the time, the, the, the buildup of years, the signing of Kyrie and Durant, and then, you know, yeah. the, the letdowns. Of, like he's got so much time and money invested in this group. He, I understand why he wants to scratch every itch, to, 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 to try everything, to hold it together. And so uh, he's like, I can get Ime Udoka. Uh, let's do it. Yeah. You know, we can hold this together with Kyrie. If he can just, um, if he can just, you know, we'll give him three, four, five chances before, you know, I, I mean, I can, I, I get it, but at some point you have to kind of do the right thing. And so I'll be interested to see if that happens. Um, all right, Spears. As, as the Nets turn. I know. Um, <laughs> thank you for coming on and joining us after getting in from Mexico City. Thank you to Jackson and Bruce, our producers. Uh, so this is podcast two of the week of our first week with three. Hopefully going to have Mr. Spears with us as much as possible. We'll talk to you on Friday with the Tims. Everybody have a good day. Go Tigers. Go Tigers. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruits and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Requires Gemini device and additional paid subscriptions to watch Netflix and other third-party apps. Terms and restrictions apply.